0: This is Danielle Calavito in Harrison, New York from Platoon 25. Virtual retreat is absolutely worth it. When I initially signed up for my instructor training, I was expecting to go away on a retreat and I was really looking forward to it. But now, having gone through all of instructor training and a virtual retreat all online, I am completely blown away with how the Lord showed up and met me exactly where I am throughout the entire experience. And I am equally blown away with how the Revelation Wellness family showed up and never made us feel like we were alone or in this on our own. I really feel that because I went through the virtual retreat experience and had the privacy while doing that, that I had a much bigger breakthrough than I might have had if I was in an unfamiliar environment. So really, the Lord always knows best, doesn't he? There was no lack or loss during my virtual retreat experience. And this training has not only impacted me, it's impacted my family, my marriage, my children, and I am just so grateful that I gave God my yes. And now I get to proudly say that I am a fitness teacher, gospel preacher.
1: All right, attention, school's in session. And Platoon 26 is still enrolling. You all do not want to miss this. I cannot guarantee we will be online again. I don't know what the future holds, but I am really just looking forward to what we know is coming, and that is Platoon 26, a Revelation Wellness Instructor. What is a Revelation Wellness Instructor? There's someone who knows that it has to be about more fitness, has to be about more the food it has to be about more you're probably someone that has either obsessed over your body or has neglected your body you're qualified if you got a body and it's filled with some breath in your lungs you're qualified you know the word minister as it's used in the Old Testament to be a minister to the Lord it means to have very uh, no special skill and no press no real prestige. So if you're looking for to be rich and famous, don't come through this training. But if you're looking to be bold and free, healthy and whole, come through this training. Even if you just came for yourself. Now, we often say that a lot, but here's what I know will happen. You'll come for yourself, you'll get free, and then there's a natural response to want to help others be set free. And you're qualified because you've been called. So swipe up on the show notes and get in the class uh, starts or signups close for the next class of instructor training on January 29th. That is going to be here like next week, like a blink. So don't delay. I get so sad when you guys miss it and you want in and it's it's a lot of last minute rush and crazy. So I declare over you a sound mind. Do not wait. Take the next step in faith. Listen, if you're wondering, how am I going to pay for it? What about this? What about that? All the what ifs? I would say the only what if is if you don't have the money in your hand right now, you pray for it. If you have enough to get yourself in and going, you believe for the rest. And also, I always make this disclaimer. If you're in debt, take care of your debt. Get healthy, get whole, and then be ready to take a risk on the Lord. I'm telling you, this is not you interested in doing this. This is God calling you and those he calls, he equips. So today you are going to have a fun conversation or listen to a fun conversation that I had with Hannah Brencher. You guys absolutely thrilled over her. Oh man, we had such a great conversation. Um, You're just going to resonate with her if you're someone who has fought debilitating anxiety. You want to listen to Hannah's story. She has authored the book, Fighting Forward, your nitty gritty guide to beating the lies that hold you back. And there's one thing she says, I want you to listen to it, but the way she sets it up and gives it context, it's going to excite you. It excited me that she tries to write things down when she exercises. She keeps a log of it, not because she wants to obsess about it, But because it's hard for her to do, it's not something that comes natural for her to do, she tries to write these things down. She writes the things down that matter to her. just kind of keep log of it. And I asked her why she did that. And she said, because when the enemy comes and tells me I can't or I'm not able or gives the reasons why it's going to go wrong, I pull out my notebook and I tell him, look, I have evidence. (laughs) Now that is a reason to write some things down, right? Not to log our calories and build monuments to ourselves, but to have evidence. Wait, I worked out for 10 minutes this day or I whatever I did. Anyways, delightful. Has changed my, my mindset and motives for why people want to take account, right? So sit back, enjoy the conversation. You're going to really find a new friend in Hannah Brencher and be sure to pick up her book and follow her in all the places. All right, guys, see you next week. Peace. Everyone, welcome to the show. I'm excited to um, get to meet and talk with a, a new fellow writer, author, all things bringing hope on the earth, Hannah Brencher. Hannah, welcome to the Revelation Ones podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Super, super cool. You guys, Hannah just uh, wrote a book. It's releasing in January called like, Fighting Forward. Your nitty gritty guide to beating the lies that hold you back. Um, as soon as we saw this book come through the, you know the the emails and they send us to talk about from Zondervan, we looked at that title and our producer goes, "I think we're going to need to talk about this because I love that <laughs> this is something in real time for our community yeah. of people. You you know what the this the lies that come against us in all forms and fashion." But before we jump into that, I would love for you to tell people a little bit about yourself, like where you are right now, a little bit of your real-time experience inside of COVID.
2: Yeah. So I am, I live in Atlanta, Georgia with my husband. Today is actually our four-year anniversary. So we've been married wow. for four years. Yeah, celebration. Um, cool. Yeah, and you know, that's all weird in COVID too. It's like having a <laughs> little staycation. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> so we live here in Atlanta and um, we welcomed our first baby into yeah. the world in April. So right at the height of COVID. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Right when, you know, we didn't really know anything of what was going on. And that's a really fun time to have a baby. Yeah. Um yeah. So she's eight months old now. And yeah, that's really just what we've been experiencing during this time. It's like, wow. you know, an introduction to parenthood. Oh
1: my um, gosh. An introduction to parenthood in a pandemic like
2: that double yes. down. <laughs> and it's been, yeah. I mean, I think it's going well. It just is hard. Cause it's like, she doesn't really get to have, I know that she's not going to remember this, but mm. like by this time she probably would have gone to more places or experienced more yeah. things, but yeah. we make do. Yeah, she right. thinks that the world is her bedroom and target. And, and- that
1: people wear masks.
2: And people exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's not so faced by the mask wearing. It is a strange time, but she it is also one of those things where it's like We, I think, experience a lot of hope and joy because she's with us, and because it's hard to have a bad day when you have a baby. That's so
1: true. Well, I don't know. You're a good, you're a better mom than me. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: hard to have a bad day. I don't know. I had some days, but well, you know what I mean. Like, of like, you get to the end of the day and you are tired, and it's like her. And they go to bed, and their little angels in their
1: freshly washed skin and pajamas and smell yummy. And yes, all is well with the world.
2: That's what I mean. You know what I
1: mean. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. That's interesting as you say that that she's eight eight months old. My son who is now 19 was six months old. I remember the morning he was laying on his little uh, blanket trying to roll over and um, uh, 9-11 happened. I remember watching that happen and having a baby going, he's my first baby going, what is going, what's going on in the world? You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's like very similar. Yeah. I
1: I would say so. And so there we go. Kind of talking more about, you know, these lies, things, I think we experience things in our life and they stack up and we create a narrative in so many ways. So writing this book for you, Fighting Forward, Mm -hmm. tell us, first of all, just say why, why, why this book? Why did you have to get this out of you?
2: Well, when I wrote the book in two thousand and nineteen, I don't think I could have ever envi- envisioned like what that would mean now, you know, mm-hmm. like that was very like prophetic in a way, or like God knew. No joke. Need. Um but for me, it was more so that this is the first book that I've gotten to write that wasn't it's not chronological in nature. There's not like one overarching story. And mm-hmm. I wanted so badly to just be able to write a book that was 100% for the reader and everything that I could tell you about this idea of fighting forward. I, I didn't ever want to promise a roadmap because I can't promise that. And because I think every single one of us, like we're called to draw our own map. And so I just wanted to basically be the best roadside cheerleader that I could be to tell you, um, you know, what I experienced, what worked for me, but really ultimately get you to show up to your life to not be a spectator in your life but to it's good That's the danger of what we're living in right now is that we just, we're watching everybody else do things. And it's almost like we just become comfortable not doing things ourselves. And if I've learned anything in my own life, it's like, well, the real magic happens when you actually just show up to your life. And that has nothing to do with what's happening on the screen.
1: 100%. Man, you're hitting home right now. In that the change in us only can come when we show up and then there's the do the work, do the thing or, you know, but it feels like a chasm, a Grand Canyon between the thing we know we're called to do or the life we feel we're called to live, knowing we just have to do it, but then actually having to do it. You just, yeah. what gets you to do it? So you write in your book that you talked about like some life-threatening depression. Can you tell our, our people a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so in 2014, um, that was when that hit. And it was a very dark time in my life, um, a time where I was hospitalized. I really had to fight for my life. And I, I didn't know if mm-hmm. I was going to come out on the other side of it or not. Mm-hmm. I had never really contemplated suicide. But I, in that moment, I understood. I got it. I, I understood oh. why somebody would want the pain to stop because um, that's all I wanted was just to feel like I could have my brain back. And yeah. I'm so thankful today that I'm back at a hundred percent that mm. I, because um, mm. the real fear for a long time was that I was going to probably mm. function at like 50% capacity for the rest of my life. But right. um, God really rebuilt the foundation of my life and he rebuilt it in a sense of, I had to build some disciplines and habits in my life that look different than before that crash. Because I think I was going a million miles a minute and that looks great to the outside world, but it was not sustainable. It was not healthy. And it just left me feeling empty inside. I didn't feel like like I was really living my best life, even though everyone else assumed that I was.
1: come on, yeah, tell and us so well, then, oh, who were you prior to the life-threatening depression? W- what were you doing? What was your lifestyle? If
2: you can sum up that yeah to life. I mean, I was I was doing the same things that I do now. I was writing books. While I actually was waiting for my first book to come out. I was speaking around the country at conferences. I was doing all the impressive things, I guess Mm. you would say. And I, I always wondered, I think too, that like, it's like, okay, like being 25 years old and having this huge amount of success in such a quick amount of time, Mm. like, I almost feel like God allowed that to happen to me. Mm. So that I could go and tell the others, like, it's not there. Like you're trying to reach the peak of the mountain and like, nothing's up there. Um, And so it, from the outside, like everything looked great. And I and I do think in a sense, I was trying as well as I could to like, stay centered and to like mm-hmm. hold it all together. But I didn't have a work life balance at all. And I also think there was a lot of fear. It was a lot of fear. Also, when it came to my relationship and my faith with God, there was a lot of fear built into mm-hmm. that. And in order for me to go forward and to um, reach a new level of faith with God. I thought some of that stuff had to crumble, and it crumbled in that severe depression. And so, <laughs> there's only so far that you can go in your relationship with God if you you make God your everything, but you also believe that like God doesn't love you, or God is holding out on you, or wow. God is that's saying, right, saying like you're good until you mess up, and when you mess up, I'm done with you. And that was what I. Believe that was my doctrine before all of this. So true.
1: Gosh, isn't that true, you guys? It just reminds me of Romans eight about who we have not been given, mm. um, or that, well, that's Second Timothy. But this, we're not a slave to fear anymore. But there's still slavery in us. Like Jesus comes and came, it says that He came for the the sick and not the the ones that have it all put together. So he takes us and gives you a platform and clearly starts giving you some of the desires of your heart. But inside, if there's places that have no sturdy foundation of love, if love isn't the foundation, he's so kind to at least expose its fear, right? Like there's nothing here and it falls out. It's like a floor that can't hold it together. So fear-
2: I have like moved forward in like- telling people about the good news. If wow. Good news to me. Gosh, so
1: good. I just got done with a vision call for our instructors. We're always, you know, bringing instructors through who will learn how to disciple others and teach them this kind yeah. of wholeness message. But I was saying that exact same thing that we can say one thing that we believe God and that he's our everything. And mm-hmm. we think that, and I, my body is the temple and all those things, but then we we just can't do it, and we're like, "What is wrong? Why is it I can know That's something?" A such a disconnect, absolutely. So then you go through this life-altering moment of depression, and yeah. you mentioned some of these tools and things. That did God literally show, like, kind of walk you through? Did you have a therapist? What started bringing the pieces together for someone who's listening that they might right now feel like it is the darkest mm-hmm. of day? What? How did the the light show and then show you a path?
2: it was a very like holistic recovery and i definitely nice. take a holistic approach to my life now um mm-hmm. i think when i first started out it was very targeted at faith and that didn't bode well for me in the sense wow. of like i i love god i love the bible Amen. i but at the end of the day it wasn't a faith problem it was a (laughs) mental health problem and like a Mm -hmm. lot of times I think we get it wrong in the church and we tell people things like well if you just had more faith you'd be out of this come on Mm -hmm. and I was told that and Mm. I just remember thinking like what is wrong with me or why is God holding out on me or why have I not overcome this if people tell me like this is just a matter of like um some sin that's hidden or mm. something that you need to figure out. Like God is not a puzzle to figure out. Amen. Like, and Amen. so when I say holistic, it was everything. It was faith. It was people, but it was also therapy. It was mm. medication. It mm. was learning how to take care of my body, learning mm. what foods actually fueled me, holding mm. myself to a standard of like, you know, like, Instead of you like putting all of your like emotions on this idea of getting a workout in, like we need to strip it of emotions and you just need to get your workout in more days than not. Because like, Mm -hmm. I remember my psychiatrist told me that working out five days a week for 45 minutes at a time is the equivalent to a 20 milligram dosage of Prozac. Amen. Um, And so it's like, okay, I have this statistic. (laughs) I have this knowledge. I'm either gonna do something with this or not. Amen. So it is realizing that if I want to show up and I wanna do what God has called me to do, and I don't want to crash as hard as I crashed that first time, I need to take care of myself and I need to have boundaries and limitations. It says right in the Bible, like the boundary lines fall for me in pleasant pleasant places. places." And so it is very much just kind of a very holistic approach to how awesome. I live my life now. But I think one of the big things too, is that I am, I'm present in my life. It is my life and it is mm. not a life that needs to be consumed by other people or needs mm. to be documented to death, you know, because <sighs> I was doing that. I thought every moment had to be captured and I need to live in a way that if social media were gone tomorrow, I yes. would be okay. I'd be okay. And that's tough. Yeah. That is like always having to like realign yourself. Always,
1: and
2: It's one of those things now. I, I feel like I'm seeing it like on overdrive, like with having a little baby, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, the amount of time that I'm picking this up during the day mm-hmm. is going to inform to her how mm-hmm. valuable I think this thing is. And yeah or how
1: valuable she is. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. And so um, I would go through the depression a thousand times more though, to like come out being rebuilt in this way, because I think I thought for so long that I would just be, I would just survive. I would just come out of it on the other side and I would always have the scars of what happened to me. And I'm like, no, no, no. God like totally intended for me to go through that so that I could come out like a million times better and stronger than that.
1: That is fantastic. That is the, that's the testimony. That's that. Now you have something to go back and tell, tell others. And I I just think this is how God is so wise and kind. I mean, he, he knows right. Every day written, he knew every day. He knew every, every day of depression you felt, but he also knew the day of the deliverance. Yep. And, and I love it. You said like, what the psychiatrist told you about, okay, now you have this information. What are you going to do with it? Um, I was recently kind of, I've been asking the Lord a lot about, you know, what makes, what is it about change? Why is it that some people make a change so hard. and some people don't? And it do came you know
2: down the answer. Cause I would love to uh, know. Well, three
1: things <laughs> rose up that I was like, oh, as I was doing some studying and reading and it made perfect sense, even biblical okay. sense. First is you've learned enough. Meaning mm. you've learned a lot of information. So you have to know, right? You can't know what you're not what to change yep. yep. no awareness. You know enough. You've suffered enough. Mm. And you're ready, you're tired of things as they are. So you knowing and then the suffering. So it really comes to the point where that sounds like when you were when you when I saw those words, life threatening depression, I'm like, wow, tell me about that. That the Lord would have to actually take you to the state of, um, I understand why people would want to just die. Uh.
2: Right. Well, and I think too, I, I think it's also though that I would never wish this upon anyone. It was, it was so dark and so scary. And I don't even like to think about it too much because mm. I just like, I never want to go back to that place. Mm-hmm. But I also think that. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't been there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I would not know how to open up the door for others. I That's would right. not know how to sit with people in their suffering. Like mm-hmm. I just would not be like if somebody was telling me they couldn't get out of bed, the drill sergeant and me would be like <laughs> just get up. You know like I'm so very weird. I'm very type A, I'm very overachiever mentality. Like I'm not the soft preacher what what <laughs> uh, are you Enneagram we're gonna do it what are you so I'm a four but I I'm, oh. I'm a wing three and I I mean oh. I'm a hard wing three like I definitely like there are parts of me that definitely know um like that I'm a four like yeah but I almost feel like coming out of this depression I'm way more of a three than I am a four because the four I feel like is what got me in trouble. (laughs) So like, I am like, um, fours are like, we're empaths. We're feelers. That's a beautiful thing. But it's also too much. You absorb a lot. Yes. And so I met with a cerebral neurologist, like a year and a half, maybe two years removed from the depression. And he was like, I, I told him, I was like, I've been to doctors all over the place. No one can explain what happened to me because mm. it came on like an onslaught. Like mm. I know where I was. And I remember a physical pain starting at the top of my mm. head and going all down my body. So like, mm. I literally felt the depression spread over me in an instant. Mm. And he was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what happened to you. And he was like, you are an empath you're a creative you're a feeler and that side of your brain got so overloaded that it shut down hmm. and he was hmm. like it's like the CEO and the CFO and the COO all quit on the same day and the <laughs> only person that was left to run your brain was like the guy in the mail room and he was like and you don't want that person to run your brain because that's like chicken little on crack and I was oh, like, oh wow
0: that's good that's so like, good
2: oh my gosh, that was me. And so he actually gave me tools that have been so helpful since of balancing my life with the emotional creative thing that makes me a great writer, but having really practical, logistical things to do to balance that out. Um, Talk more about that. Talk more about what that looks like for you. So like, I am, this is going to seem crazy, but maybe it helps some people. Like I'm a tracker of things. Like I will track workouts. I will, I love data of all kinds. Okay, totally. Yeah. But I do love it now. I have an appreciation for it. And so it's like, I track the tasks that I do. I track the tasks that need to get done. I very much lean on that methodical side of my brain now. And I exercise it. And I think I've really strengthened it because I couldn't live in this world where everything was based on feelings. Right. Where every feeling
1: had to be expressed. Every feeling had to be
2: worked through. Like you were constantly on the couch. Well, especially with like things like, okay. So that you'll probably resonate with this, but years ago, I used to love working out. I loved it. I looked okay. forward to getting my workout in. Mm-hmm. I love strength training, <laughs> and then I lost that passion somewhere, and it has yet to come back to me. I <laughs> okay. I don't enjoy it anymore, and okay. I pray to God all the time. I'm like, God, could you make me love this thing? I want to get that passion back. Okay, have you? You
1: need to use some of our stuff. You need to go download our podcast okay. because it's <laughs>
2: Jesus, and He'll take care of the rest. So go ahead. So, um. I like my husband as someone who's very, just matter of fact, he gets his workout in unless he knows it's a rest day and I base everything or I'm trying to learn to not base everything off of feelings. So like, even if I like, if he gets ready to go to a workout and I'm not feeling like doing the workout, I'll just be like, don't you just want to sit on the couch? Like you just want to like, come on. Like you don't need to do that. And it's like, I'm trying to pull him down because my feelings are telling me not to do it. And yeah. so it's what, like, I've learned to successfully do this in most other areas of my life. This is the one I'm working on, but like cutting yourself off from the feelings that does not mean that your feelings are not valid Valid. in some Mm -hmm. sense or something to listen to, but they do not drive the car because they are up, they are down, they are all (laughs) over the place. And so it's always like, facts don't care about your feelings, you know? Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. So it's almost like this interesting place when we talk about mind integration, you know, being really integrated as a whole person, work-life balance, creative brain, methodical brain, but it's, it's like they all need to work in their proper place. Like they, they have a proper place. So when you say I'm enjoying tracking, there's a part of your brain that it shuts off the loosey goosey. It yep. just feels concrete, like Boom. So do you you like a checklist, I imagine? Yes or no? Do you make a list of things to do each day? Oh, yeah.
2: I love a checklist. I love to track the amount of words I write. And Uh part of it too, though, I think, is that if you are somebody who, this is probably all of us, women especially, there are a lot of lies, right? And the enemy is always going to look for something new. But what I found about this tracking Mm -hmm. is that I am collecting evidence of the opposite in the sense of like, whatever it is that Satan is trying to come at me with, I have evidence of the opposite, come on. but he cannot, he can't come up against me. He can't say you're not doing the thing. And I'm like, I am doing the thing. It's right here. I've written it down. And I, wow. think, yeah. I didn't realize that was going to be that effective, but yeah. like now I look at it and I think, well, every single day in some area of my life, he's going to try to take me into the, courtroom he's gonna try to tell me i'm this i'm that he's gonna accuse me now the only way that he can get me is if i don't have any kind of evidence like if i don't have a if i don't have a case built it's it's game over but if i every day i'm showing up to build that case like he doesn't have a leg to stand on
1: hannah you just unlocked something for our people that is going to be fire fire (laughs) I'm like When God
2: showed it to me, I was like, whoa, okay. That's fantastic. That's really good. I'm going to
1: write that in places. (laughs) I'll credit you, but oh my gosh. Well, and, but then see, and there's a whole, when we talk about that, there's a whole nother side of people who listen and to, and even church wise that have spent their whole life writing everything down, have Mm -hmm. spent their whole life tracking and needing methodical evidence. And they don't have, they don't their feelings are too scary. Mm-hmm. We, we can't trust our feelings. We can't,
0: yeah. what, intuitive
1: eating? No, I track everything. You know, it's like, so it's interesting how uh-huh. they all work themselves together into an integrated mind with the leadi- leadership of the Holy Spirit because we all just tend to be where we know to be, what we feel has been, been most comfortable for our lives. But eventually our comfort becomes our misery, eventually.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, Oh. I yeah. found this quote like recently and it has been haunting me ever since I heard it. Um, whatever you are um what wait, what is it? Whatever you're not changing, you're choosing. Bah. And I was like, <laughs> oh god, like that will preach because that's
1: right. Whatever or I've heard whatever you tolerate, you accept. Oh. Like you just, yeah. We we you get to make a vote with your life. Yes. Every moment is a vote of yeah. what am I siding with, life or death, growth or limited mindset, whatever it is, like every opportunity. But I think we only know it until you suffered enough, mm. learned enough, and I'm not going to live that way anymore. Like there's yeah. a change has to happen. But I love what you're like, make evidence for it. I'm big on journaling. You're big on journaling, clearly. Yeah? Yep. Yep. You talk about fight songs. Explain fight songs.
2: So that was something that came out of that depression um, specifically because I'm just somebody who is always, I've been a writer since I was six years old. It is how I communicate with God. It is like my favorite thing in the entire world. And, and I just want
1: to say to you that, could you just pray over me? I, I love writing. It uh-huh. is like it what you probably feel about working out Like, I really want to get better at doing that. But that's how I'm working out. I'm like,
2: let's go work out, piece of cake. But so that's amazing. That's probably it. Cause I'm like, let's write. Come on, we got to write four things today. Let's do it. And like, (laughs) the most myself when I'm doing it. Like, that's awesome. And so for me, it's almost like in all of these hard times, like hard things that I've gone through in life. I've had to write my way through those things. Good. And yeah. God has shown that to me multiple times. And um, in this one particular, I took a notebook and I started to write these fight songs, which were really like these words of encouragement, not actual songs for what I imagined would be a daughter one day, because mm. I have a hard time giving myself those words sometimes, but like I can do that for somebody else. Always. and. Yeah. And so that was where that origin of like fight songs came from. And that was like what I wanted to pack the book full of. So like they're quick, they're not long chapters, but yeah. they'll meet you right where you're at in yeah. your own race.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they really are. You guys think it's like six, is it six stages or five parts? Sorry, five, five parts. Par- yep. And like all together, like 27 little different chapters. And I think that's fantastic, especially for people that are, you know, maybe just mind feels locked down or spirit feels locked down. It's just like these daily, not a daily devotional, but supplemental. Like you can take this this day. And I I think that's such a great way to administer a message like this. Okay. Y'all, I love Hannah. Hannah, you are (laughs) like um, just, we probably could talk a lot about we probably could serve each other well in our opposing places of where it's like, Uh, it's not easy for me. You teach me about that. Let me sit under your pinata. (sighs) I call it. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's close with this. What's one thing you would want a woman to know who is hearing this message today? Something they need to know that only you can
2: say. I think that like, probably like to go with like what we've all, like we've been talking about throughout this is that like, Don't belittle the small beginnings. You know Mm -hmm. the the mile one, as I like to call it. Yes, the ones of us that are perpetually trying to become runners. But like (laughs) that, I'm so quick to if I do something and then I get a few days in and I fail, I think I have to scale back to day one. And like Mm -hmm. that's not what I'm being called to do. God is not Mm -hmm. telling me to go back to day one. Like this is my life. It's not a 30 day program. Yeah. But it's this reminder that like any change and any progress, like it starts small and it happens on repeat. And so yeah. I can sit here and say, like, I've written three books and writing books now has become an easy thing for yeah. me. Um, but that wasn't always the case. Like I had to suffer through that first book. I had to learn the rhythm and discipline of writing. Yeah. And I'm able to look back on a decade of writing and say, okay, like I'm trained in this area. That's why I'm good at it. Whatever it is at the beginning, like savor that, but don't belittle yourself or bully yourself because you're at the beginning. Like just start where you are and keep showing up.
1: That's right. That's good. All right. Three fun questions before you go. They're off the cuff. Ready? Favorite way to move your body.
2: Go. Lifting weights. I love it. I love strength training. Strength training. Yes.
1: Love that. Love it. I don't love strength training. I'm always fascinated by people. that No, I don't. What do I do you love? it. I do it because it's good for me. Um, oh gosh, just consistently like, get my heart rate up, like a walk or a run or like just I like my heart rate up because it's when my heart rate gets up, I'm just like another place, and I can hear from the Lord. Like, I don't, uh, I, it's.
2: Well, I will tell you. I've been trying to run lately, and that runner's high is a real thing.
1: It's like, a. real It is a real thing. Yeah, the chemistry of your body, 100%. It all lines up. And I mean, I can do a whole teaching on this, but when you are moderately exercising, oh, you'll be fascinated by this for brain health. When you have moderate exercise going on, so not high intensity, not too low, there's an area of your brain called the hippocampus. It's one of two places in your brain. There's only two places that creates new brain cells, neurogenesis, like new brain cells come out. When you exercise, the hippocampus is one of those places. That place creates three times as many new brain cells as if you don't move. So when you're moving, you're getting all these new brain cells, which is why it's the best time to put in new information, you hear the yep. word of God yep. or get creative mm-hmm. ideas come. Yeah. It's because it's that new place. And then it also detangles the any neural network that's lies or feel like you can use those new brain cells to then create new neural pathways in that time that then detangles uh, some of this. So exercise, that's why, that's why that, that gentleman could say it's like taking this amount of, of Prozac or medication, wow. especially if you're thoughtful with it and useful with your time. So anyways, I, I just like it probably. Cause I need a lot of work on my, my brain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. I, well, I, I love uh, knowing that though. I am a knowledge junkie. So when I hear something like that, I'm like, that means I do need to keep trying to run.
1: Yeah. Just move. I'm going to send, you know what, Hannah, I'm going to send you like totally free. Like we have a, a couch to 5k.
2: It's super Oh my easy. gosh. Wait a minute though. I'm putting the pieces together because you, there were a bunch of people that reached out to me about a month ago when I said I wanted to become a runner. It's and me. Like, oh no. <laughs> you need to check out this program. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the Lord is done. I'll send, I'll have Tracy send it, love, it to you after this. We super. You. Yeah.
1: It's baby steps, baby steps for, for the 5k. Okay. That'll be fun. I'm going to circle back and check in on you. And okay, please. And yes, you can check in on my, you can check in on my word count for my writing. I'm, oh, I'm working yeah. on my third book right now. And I'm like, when does this get easier? Okay. Oh God, I love that. Ugh. All right. Wait. Okay. So ask for a favorite way to move your body um favorite active wear workout wear that
2: you like and where do you get it at like shopping
1: people like to know where you, what your clothes are where you get them from. my for favorite out.
2: is my favorite is nike and i get it at the nike factory store or nike yeah. just the nike store yep. i just yeah i love that's, everything that's, that's nike your stuff great. that's your quality yeah it is good stuff I,
1: yeah, I like Nike also do. I think Nike sometimes a little too, um, fits me not well in the, in the waist area, so It's okay. Odd, but
2: okay. Yeah, Cause I couldn't do any kind of Lulu. Cause I'm like, I just feel like, I, I don't know. Lulu does not make me feel good about my body.
1: Totally. Everyone <laughs> has to know which ones feel like second skin for sure. Um, and then coffee, tea or kombucha. What's your go-to?
2: Coffee, black
1: black
2: yes Gross. how many cups a day I do one cup in the morning and then I will do decaf if I mm-hmm. want it throughout the mm-hmm. day because I I just like a good cup of like I don't it's not even the caffeine for me it's just the warmth <laughs>
1: the you know? warmth totally
2: yeah I thought so. I've never been
1: a coffee drinker but <laughs> something in me was like maybe if I start drinking more coffee, my writing will pick up because all the writers seem to drink coffee.
2: I don't know if that's it. it.
1: It's not. I tried it. I was like, I'm jittery. Forget it. I'm out. So I go to kombucha. Okay. (laughs) All right, everyone. Um, You have met your new best friend, Hannah Brencher. You guys can go to her website, hannahbrencher.com. Her book's there. All the good stuff that she's up to is over there. Um, And of course, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all those places carrying the book as well. So congratulations on your third book.
2: Thank you. Well done. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful.